Hello, everybody. Um, as you can see, I have a new mic. I'm trying to uh, upgrade the system so that uh, the podcast that we're recording from this can be somewhat more crisp and sound better. So like I told you, and you can see over there, oh, we can't see you on Zoom. Yeah, now you can see me in Zoom. Sorry. There's too many uh, buttons around here right now. So um, yeah, as you can, um, as I told you last time, this is going to be available already on um, a podcast. So if you just want to hear it, you can go to that link over there uh, uh, under the classes that I shared and also get the link for some people ask me about the book. Uh, it's available in different kind of Amazon markets. So you can uh, check it out there. If I was an ancient Egyptian, I would probably direct the mic towards my heart. Um, according to ancient Egyptian ideas, we don't think with our heads. There's nothing here, just uh, some gray stuff. Uh, what is important is what we have in our heart. That's why in the hieroglyphs, if you would look at them, they're always the chest, uh, the heart areas facing the reader. And then according to the direction of the head, you know if to read from right to left above, below, and so forth. So it kind of makes sense that maybe I should bring another mic next time to direct it towards my heart, so at least what I say and what I feel are similar. That's a good idea, I guess. Thank you very much. But anyway, uh, what I wanted to talk today about are a few things. First of all, uh, we're going to talk about the things that are coming in a little bit in the future, but I just wanted us to be prepared for it. One of the things is going to be the great eclipse. We're entering eclipse season. Um, uh, that usually happens around two weeks or so, even though the eclipse's influence is very vast. Sometimes it lasts six, seven months, sometimes four months. It uh, depends on the length of the eclipse. But what we know about November 17 eclipse is that it's going to be, according to NASA, the longest one in the century. And if it is very long, even though it's partial, its effects or its, um, I don't like to call it effects, it's almost a seem like we're some kind of a victim and we're lying on our back waiting for it to move move away. But the story that is unfolded by the eclipse uh, is going to take about three and a half, four months. It's going to lead us until the end of Venus retrograde, you can say, uh, which is going to be the end of January. So we're going to have a period of stories that are being told when the inciting incident or the big mover or the agent of change, you can say, is occurring in the end of November, beginning of December, because the eclipses always come in couples. Um, they like to work together. It makes sense because the eclipses are basically a, a combination of the influences of the sun and the moon. And because of that, uh, sun masculine, moon feminine, yin yang. So they always come together. We always have eclipse together. And this one is going to be November 17, 19, which is already going to be belonging to the eclipses that are going to be in 2022 and first part of 2023. And saying goodbye to the eclipses influences in Gemini and Sagittarius that started in June of 2020. So really, these eclipses are not only unique because they're very long, but they're unique because they're moving the energy as the North Node is moving, as the dragon is flying away from Gemini and into Taurus. It's as if the direction of the dragon is landing downward because it starts with Gemini, which is an air sign, and it's going to end up in Taurus, which is very, very earth. So we are being grounded in a sense by the eclipses and we're going to start feeling it November 17 until December 4. Everything that happens between 
the November, this, uh, let's say in the middle of November to beginning of December, these two weeks, the middle point between the eclipses, I would suggest that right now you should maybe start writing an eclipse journal. You know, maybe you can open a file in your phone uh, for synchronicities, for coincidences, because what I've noticed is that we have these uh, stories of the eclipses that are spreading over a period of time. And a lot of the beginning of it, the once upon a time in a far, far place, starts actually during the eclipses, especially around the solar eclipse, which you're going to have in December 4, because lunar eclipses, which you're going to have in November 17, is kind of an end of a period. And then the new moon, the new solar eclipse is going to be in December 4, and that's the beginning of a new story. Uh, always a new story emerges out of an old story. It's not a Hollywood uh, invention, the sequels and the prequels and the postquels and whatever. You can actually add quill at the end or in the beginning. So this storytelling idea of having to go back and see the background of something or trying to see what's going to happen in the future is very much uh, in astrology. So again, we're going to end some processes November 17th so we can begin new one in December 4. And in between them, it's kind of a purgatory, purgatory situation where we have influences from different sources coming together. It's as if, you know, somebody tells me, tell me a story, tell me a story. And I'm going to think, okay, what kind of story should I say? What kind of genre should it be? Uh, what kind of um, mythology should I draw from? So that feeling just before you tell a, a little kid the story of not knowing which story, what kind of story, wait, is it PG or, or R or, you know, depends on the age of the kid, depends on the gender, depends on what you want to say. That period is that two weeks between November 17th to December 4, when you're figuring out with the universe what story you need to hear and tell, that's usually the same time, uh, for the next six months or so. So exciting time. And also the Sabian symbol for December for November 17th is kind of interesting. We'll see it in a second. I'm also going to talk a little bit about this square that is looming and coming again, the last aspect of that square between Saturn and Uranus. Remember, we talked about it quite a lot that um, uh, we are having this a clash between the old and the new, the conservative and the liberal or progressive, between the forces of uh, tradition and the forces of revolution. And we're seeing it very much played out since uh, October 31, since Halloween in Glasgow, that Celtic uh, city. So remember, we talked about it a little bit next last week. And this week, it kind of makes more sense. There was another uh, article that I want to share with you that was... Uh, just a study that was released by uh, Nature that really make everything about Saturn and Uranus a little bit clearer, at least for me. So we're going to talk about those things uh, first. So let's start seeing what we, um, what I have for you. Um, this one, yeah. So um, first of all, let's look at eclipse season. Yeah, it's going to take the eclipse's duration is going to be three hours and 28 minutes, uh, más o menos. So that usually translates to four months, three and a half, four months. They say that um, originally they talked about 
minutes in the eclipse could be months. But when you're talking about three hours, it's almost like going to be the rest of your lifetime. But again, maybe if NASA tells us that this is the longest eclipse of the century, we are heading towards a very long-term story or a story, uh, you know, like the Russian style that uh, like War and Peace that you, yeah, there's like thousands and thousands of um, uh, pages because as you know, Dostoevsky, for example, is famous for um, the crime and punishment was paid per uh, word. So imagine the eclipses are now telling a story, but the eclipses are paid per word or per scene, and they just want to get paid a lot. So what you can say is that the stories that are unveiling themselves from November 19 to December 4 might need a lot of pages to be told, or you're going to have to scroll a lot on your phone to read all of that. So what we're talking about is a major story. Now, the areas in your life, that depends where your north node is natally, and also it depends where your north node is now transiting. What does it mean? If you know your chart, you can look at the border between Gemini and Taurus, you know, that zero zero Gemini, 28, 29, 30 Taurus, Um Maybe I'll make a little video this week and I'll uh, post it for you guys to see and to locate where you have your Gemini and Taurus uh, in your chart. I'll try to remember doing it maybe even today so that you can pinpoint uh, where the story is projected. So imagine the story is already there, but the um, screen or where you're going to see it, you know, it's almost like when you had to decide if to go to watch the movie on H H HBO Max on your on your t TV or if you prefer to go to the cinema and see it the old way. So that's kind of how it's going to be projected, the medium by which it's going to be projected or the area in your life which is going to tell that story because the story could be boy meets girl. Great. Was that happening in my first house, my house of my body? That means that my masculine and feminine, my animus and animus meet together, as Jung would suggest. And that's what is happening. I'm getting some kind of completion between my masculine and feminine, my action and reception. Is it happening in my house of relationship? So then it's obvious uh, I'm meeting someone. Is it happening in my career? And maybe there is some relationship happening into me in my connection to career. So really the area in your life is really, really important in order to understand where this story is going to be told or who are the heroes and the heroines in a sense of this story. Um, and of course, we're opposite to that eclipse, wherever it is in your chart. So we're talking about the end of Sagittarius um, and be, sorry, the end of Scorpio, beginning of Sagittarius, wherever that is in your chart, whatever house, or maybe you have some planets. That's where your antagonist of the story is, because that's going to be where the South Node is. And what is the antagonist? Going back to old ways of doing things instead of learning the new lessons. It's like I always give example with the North Node and South Node, uh, which are very karmic places. Places in your chart that the North Node represents a new language you're trying to speak or learn, and the South Node represents a language that is very easy for you to go back to because you speak it very well. And let's say uh, it happened to be a lot in Mexico when I uh, moved to Mexico. I didn't know that I was moving to Mexico. I just found myself in Mexico for two years. Anyway, at the beginning, of course, I wanted to speak English with everybody, but um, they wanted to speak, obviously, Spanish. So slowly I had to learn it, but there's always that temptation when I got really philosophical, which you know that happens kind of a lot, or much more deep in my conversation, I wanted to have more intimacy with somebody. Immediately, I kind of like uh, re reserved it back and went back to English. That's going back to your South Node because what you need to do now is pick 
Spanish. So you need to connect to your North Node, which is harder, but that's the most amount of growth. So again, where you have your North Node, the border between Gemini and Taurus will be your a story where your story is basically told what you have to learn from this story and you're going to have to be careful not to go back to the opposite side where scorpio and sagittarius the cusp of scorpio sagittarius because that's where your south node is now where we need to let go so that's something interesting that can happen to you again to, to work with again because this is happening right now so it's very very crucial uh, to pay attention to that in general, for all of us, the North Node is moving from learning about relay, uh, connection to information, which is kind of interesting. We had to deal with a lot of misinformation and disinformation in the last uh, year and a half, basically, when uh, the North Node was in Gemini. We had to uh, learn a lot about language and communication and new means of communicating. I think that that's what led me to think, okay, maybe it's time to move from Zoom uh, to podcast. Uh, that's a small example in my life, but in many ways, in many charts, for example, I noticed that I was telling people, listen, I hear that you always say, I feel, I feel. Maybe it's confusing your partner. Maybe you should start saying, I think, instead of I feel. Maybe it will make your partner feel more safe about what you're saying, because feel can be just like a feeling and it can go away, like the weather. And a thought maybe is more thought off or more, you know, based on some facts, hopefully. So that what was going on, we were trying to look for modes of communication, how to express what we want to say. And the way we think was really changing in the last year and a half, two years even. So now we're moving into the mode of Taurus. So now the lessons that we have to learn, it's actually happening from December 23rd, and we're going to talk about it a lot. In the book of 2022, there's a huge chapter there about the North Node and the South Node dates that you can go back to and check to see what was going on in your life in that transition between the North Node in Gemini to the North Node in Cancer. Because the North, Sorry, the North Node in Gemini to the North Node in Taurus. Because as you know, the North Nodes go backward. That's why in your chart, they're always going to look like like a, a horseshoe, but with a little R next to it. It's mean. It's called mean, basically, or like the average of the uh, North Node and South Node. And they're always going to be retrograde. So don't worry if your North Node is retrograde, that your dragon is going backward instead of forward. They always go backward. So they're always retrograde. And that's one of the reasons why in astrology, we consider the North Node and the South Node to being very important, karmically speaking, and relate to past lives because it takes us back. It takes us to previous life, to past reincarnation. So that's what we're looking for with the North Node and South Node. They're very, very important if you look into karmic astrology or past lifetimes. That's your indication of how to connect to past lives. So that's something that I would really recommend for you uh, to look into. But as a collective, we're moving this December from a year and a half of focusing on Gemini into another year and a half now focusing on Taurus, money, talents, your self-worth, finance. Everything that has to do with uh, the economy is going to be much more in the spotlights. But Taurus is also Mother Nature. I mean, Venus is the ruler of Taurus in the tarot card. Venus is the empress and she represents Mother Nature. And in fact, 
her card in the Crowley deck, you see the Empress and her chest is, f- is facing us. Her heart, she's holding a lotus, is facing us, while her head is actually facing the card before, which is the Emperor. And it represents that duality between civilization, which is the Emperor, and Mother Nature, which is the Empress. So we're moving into the realm of Mother Nature. It's interesting that right on the cusp, uh, on the threshold of this transition, is when we have the um, Conference of Parties 26, the COP26 that was happening in October uh, 31. I think it's almost done. Um, That is supposed to talk about the climate and the situation of how we, civilization, interact with Earth, Mother Nature, how the emperor and the empress, the state of affair between them. So again, all of it is synchronized for us to make really profound decisions about the earth, because Gemini is more about business. And I know that a lot of people uh, love the earth. Uh, you know, they appreciate the earth, but they also appreciate their business in oil, petroleum, coal, mining, gas, and so forth. And now we're moving away from them into Taurus and Mother Nature and much more concerned to the earth. And of course, if we're not going to do that, we'll see that next year is going to be far more devastating with catastrophes on the earth, whether there's going to be earthquakes, earthquaking, Taurus moving around, pissed off, or floods and so forth. So we're going to have to be very careful. Why? Because the eclipses, like we said, always come together, couple. So the North Node is what we need to focus on is Taurus, Earth, Mother Nature, what we need to break away from is Scorpio. So in the next year and a half, we're going to be asked to be less Scorpio, less possessive, less about uh, our, um, let's say, our own passions and more about our collective passions, in a sense, or the Earth's passion. We're going to have to be a little bit less intense, um, a little bit less focused on our sexuality and more focused on sensuality and the five senses. So that's the transition. Of course, Scorpio is death. So if we're not going to pay attention to Earth, we're going to start seeing that we're going to have a lot of death occurring from, again, Scorpio. Scorpio is a water sign. So this is a little bit of a warning about flooding and so forth. That's, again, from December 23rd, it's supposed to be pretty strong. And it's going to be like a correlation between our attitude towards the Earth and what we plan to do with it and how the Earth responds to us through the South Node in Scorpio, which, again, is the deadliest water sign. You know, so uh, that's part of what is happening now. This is the eclipse, uh, November nineteen. It's going to be in uh, a universal time at nine o'clock in the morning on November nineteen. And as you can see, the moon opposite to the sun, and you can see that the north node and south node are about four degrees away. So it's a pretty strong uh, connection to the uh, um, eclipse. And what we see is the Sabian symbol. The Sabian symbol is a mature woman in, uh, reawakened to romance. I mean, that's a beautiful symbol. Uh, it's a woman who maybe thought that that's it for me with love, and suddenly she's reawakened. It's like she was sleeping. She not only didn't believe that she's going to be in love again, she allowed uh, the slumber of sleep to go over her, like sleeping beauty in a sense. But this is not sleeping beauty some girl who is 16 years old that didn't mind where she puts her finger. Uh, and This talking about a mature woman who's lived her life, maybe had a few loves before, and decided, you know what, I have had my share of love. Let the young people carry love as if love is kind of a rare um, 
scarce resource. And suddenly she's reawakened, like by surprise, uh, by love. So by romance, even. It's not even love, it's romance. So that's, again, if you're not a mature woman, it doesn't mean it does not apply to you. Uh, Or if you're a mature woman who is happily married, don't be afraid you're going to meet somebody else. This, I think, again, talks about our inner masculine and feminine. We're talking about our more ancient feminine energy in us that is awakening now uh, to love. It could be the love could be a new hobby. The love could be a new person. The love could be a new group, a new activity, a new business, a new idea, or a love towards oneself. Again, that's again because of the moon being in Taurus and the symbol is very much associated to the empress. The empress, like Katarina the Great, is awakening to a new romance. Um, so that's actually I love that uh, symbol and maybe it's also coinciding with the fact that Venus is right now in Capricorn Venus in Capricorn favors love Venus with maturity which is Capricorn we're all maturing with our love uh, right now also uh, what you can see at that time is that the black moon is on top of the wheel of fortune I mean that's a little bit less important because it's also associated with the uh, Ascendant, but what is important is that when the moon is on top of the North Node, we are asked to study more about our femininity, more about women, more about mothers, more about family, more about our feelings. North Node, again, in your chart, if you have any planets on top of your North Node, on top of your dragon, that means that that's your uh, your dragon. Dragoneer, I don't know how you call it, the person that, that flies the dragon. So, you know, charioteer is for the chariot. Uh, we'll call it now just to make sense. Uh, dragoneer for the dragon, the dragon master, the mother of dragons, you can call it. Uh, it's much more on your feminine energy. So if you have any planets on top of your north node, it means that that planet archetype is what you're here to learn. And that archetype is the one that drives your dragon. So if you want to fly the dragon, like, you know, like um, Muad'Dib or like Paul Artides uh, was riding the, the worms in June, you need to connect to that archetype to think what is that archetype represent for me. So for us, the story of November 19th that's going to last for three, four months is related to mother, family, femininity, your feminine side. Maybe that is the mature woman who is reawakened inside of you uh, to bring you love, to bring you happiness. So again, the North Node on top of the moon, it's really positive in that sense. Uh, We don't have many planets messing around with um, this eclipse. The only thing is, yeah, I mean, Uranus is a little bit opposite to Mars still, a little bit of accidents, mishaps. Be careful how you're driving. Uh, Be careful with any kind of sharp, crazy movement. Uh, You know, just be a little bit more chill. Do things a little bit more Tai Chi style instead of hip hop style. And then everything will be fine. Mercury is not too far from the sun, a lot of ideas, a lot of clarity with your mind. And there is a beautiful uh, trine that is going from Neptune, which is intuition, mysticism. Uh, that's actually not too bad. It, it's it's an eclipse that can help us move forward. But eclipses are also unpredictable. And in the book, there is a whole chapter there about the first time that humans were able, according to tradition, to prophesize or to predict an eclipse, and it happened to be right at these eclipses of Taurus. So again, if you get the book, that's the uh, historical chapter. I always try to put some history in the book, so it makes it interesting for me to write and to research and for you, hopefully, uh, to read. So it's not only going to be what's going to happen, what's going to happen. It's more stories about what's happening. And you looking at what happened in the past can really tell you how you can direct uh, your future. 
So that's the eclipse. It's going to be on Friday. We're going to mention it a little bit next week as it gets more, uh, as we get closer to the eclipse. But because eclipse is such a powerful thing, uh, the storytelling might already start right now for you and not necessarily on the 17th. So just pay attention to it. Um, this is a map that shows where the eclipse is going to be visible. So all the eclipse is going to be visible in Mexico. Um, so uh, part of Central America, but mainly Mexico, United States, Canada can see it very well. Russia, especially the Siberian part, uh, Japan. Uh, but as we get, uh, I think Australia, no, Australia, Australia a little bit. So as you can see, the darker parts of the chart, which is actually most of Eastern Europe, most of Africa, Middle East, thank God is in the dark. It's good because we don't want that area uh, to be flaring up with uh, issues. Because remember where you can see the eclipse, the storytelling is a little bit more profound, a little bit more strong. Uh, where you can't see the eclipse, it's not that you're not influenced by it, it's just that it's not as powerful. Um, and now I want to talk about uh, the biggest thing that was happening in 2021. And as I was researching for the book of 2022, I realized that we are still under that influence throughout 2022, but more in September, October 2022, that's the peak of it. But also, um, we are still going through this three-act structure of the square between Uranus and Saturn. Why is this square so important, especially in 2021? I think some of you got my uh, 2021 book, so you read about it, and you know that that's the two rulers of Aquarius. Now, we entered the age of Aquarius at the end of 2020, kind of officially, when the grand conjunction happened in Aquarius, and also in 2021. Remember, we talked about all that cluster of uh, planets happening in um, Aquarius, and it happens to be that Saturn is the traditional ruler of Aquarius, and Uranus is the modern ruler of Aquarius. And both of them are squaring. Squaring is never nice. Squaring is like to square off with somebody. It's basically conflict. It's, it's, it's as if two cars are trying to come into a junction and one of them has to stop and let the other one go through because otherwise it's going to be a, a collision. The same thing as an opposition. But opposition even has a little bit more compatibility than a square. So what we're talking about is our planets that when they're in a square, they force us to do things we don't want. And not only that, they come across not the best. I mean, if you meet somebody for the first time and they're kind of being very grumpy, you're not seeing them for the best. If you're seeing somebody for the first time and they're smiling, it's a little bit different. So what's happening now is that these two planets are meeting after a long time and they're both frowning. So obviously they're not showing their best uh, attributions. Now, all of these cycles of square oppositions, a conjunction. Conjunction basically means two planets start their journey together. They initiate the story. That's usually the beginning of their untold story. The same way that I always told you guys, we go through this process every month. The new moon, uh, the new moon that just happened, is the beginning of the story. The sun and the moon come together. Then after a week, they're squaring. So don't worry. Always, a week after the new moon, you might feel a little bit off. You might feel a little bit down. You might feel more snappy. You might have to do things you don't want to or not do things you really want to because it's the square of the sun and the moon. Then we have the opposition. After two weeks, that's the full moon. That's usually a time of rest or overactivity. Then we have the last uh, square in the fourth, on the third week, which again, we feel a little bit more emotional. And then the week after we start the new moon cycle again. Same thing happens with planets that take longer than uh, a month to go around the sun. Yeah, they're on the earth. So for example, 
uh, Uranus takes 84 years. Saturn takes 29 and a half years, hence the Saturn return. So when they come together, the first time they came together was 1988. I mean, not the first one, the last time. The cycle that we're still telling the story started in 1988. Now, it's really interesting because, and I looked at it this week, and in 1989, while he was still a senator, Al Gore published an editorial in the Washington Post in which he argued that humankind was suddenly entered, has suddenly entered into a brand new relationship with planet Earth. The world's forests are being destroyed, an enormous hole is opening in the ozone layer, and living species are dying at an unprecedented rate. That was in 1989. You know, so it's really interesting because that's almost the Saturn return. Saturn return of that was 2019, 2000, uh, 2019, 2018. Okay. So you have that a uh, first time that Saturn and Uranus came together. We are being told by senator, you know, from, from the government that we have a problem, you know, that Earth we have a problem. And the problem is the way we treat the earth. So that made me think that there is something going on right now with that Saturn-Uranus um, cycle that has to do with the earth. That was on uh, that was 89. Now, if you look at the dates, so you can understand also your own cycle, the, the first conjunction, the last conjunction was 1988. And if you think politically, that's when uh, Gorbachev became the head of the Soviet Union. And a year later, we had the uh, year, two years later, uh, the whole Soviet empire collapsed. And we had suddenly a whole new world order with new countries, uh, new politics. Everything was completely uh, changed. And it was also... Uh, Tiananmen Square. So there's something happening also right now in China. Hopefully it's not that issue with Taiwan. But anyway, 2000-2001 was the first square, the time where these two planets were basically creating a square. Of course, you know that was the Twin Tower. Uh, the, uh, that was also the time of the uh, fear that something terrible is going to happen to our computer or to the planet because of Y2K. Then we had the opposition happening right at the Great Recession, 2008 to 2010. And the last of the squares is happening in 2021. So we can start a new conjunction in 2032. And if you read a lot about what happened is happening on the COP26 and what's happening now in uh, Glasgow, a lot of countries are trying to promise by 2030 to make some kind of changes, 2050. So... This 2032 is a very important milestone because that's when Saturn and Uranus are going to come together to their conjunction, which they were together in 88, 89. And at that time, they kind of warned us through different people that they channeled their energy through. Again, politician is Saturn, but Uranus is being able to declare these kind of weird things about the Earth and people and, and species dying. Who cares? You know, so... Then they're going to come together in 2032 and ask us, so what have you done in the last uh, 40 years or so, uh, more than 40 years? Did you fix anything? Oh, no, it's worse. Okay, so we can see that from 2032, everything that maybe we we're talking about happening in 2050, the flooding and all that might happen even more. Okay, so that's a little bit of a warning that we have almost 10 years to fix things. So it's basically tension from the old Saturn, the politics, and the young Uranus. Nationalism, Saturn, whether, whether global, versus globalization and democracy, Uranus. A coal and gas, Saturn against renewable energy. You know, I think about places like Texas, which is complaining that if we take away their gas, um, they're going to collapse. I mean, Texas has a lot of sun and a lot of wind. I'm sure they will be fine if they just harness those elements as well. 
But the 2021 uh, square is closing, meaning that it's not an opening of a story, it's a closing of a story. So now we're going to have a period where things start closing down. And the actual square, in the last one, the last one that is associated with the end of things, is supposed to happen in December 25, 2021. Um, That's wrong here. It's 2021. And it's also interesting, a synchronicity that St. Nicholas, that is very much associated with Christmas, died in 343 uh, CE, just when Saturn and Uranus were also squaring in the same signs that they're squaring in 2021. So we lost Santa Claus. Um, right at that time, the same square, which is going to be happening right on December 24, eve of Christmas. So it's kind of an interesting synchronicity. But what I think is important for us is to prepare for this last act, the resolution, which is literally happening December 24. And if you trace back, you see that in February 17, um, that's when we had, it was very, very close to what was going on here in the United States in January with the new election and the big lie and the insurrection and all that. Then in June 14, it was probably that emergence of the Delta variant. Everybody thought it will be over the pandemic and suddenly we're told to keep on our masks and get the shots. Then we have, and it could also be around that time, that whole clash between people who are anti-vaccination and people who are vaccinated, the Uranus versus Saturn again, and how much is the government allowed to tell me things to do and how much not and so forth. And then in December 24, we're yet to see what is the conflict that is manifested by Saturn and Uranus. However, I think it might be related to this, save our planet. I think that it might be very much related to what's happening right now in Glasgow. And it's not in Glasgow, it's in the planet. It's basically the young people who are saying, don't tell us, go slow. And I'm going to relate to it again in a second. Don't tell us uh, things will be fine. For example, uh, Modi, uh, the, the Prime Minister of India, was celebrated for saying that India will be neutral, net zero by 2070. Uh, because it's a huge place, I understand. So they're saying 50 years. We don't have time until 2007, with all due respect to Modi. Um, you know, so these kids are saying, you guys, you're going to die in 10 years, maybe five years, maybe two years, the way you guys are handling yourself and stress. But we're going to be here. We're actually going to maybe be here. This girl who's holding that sign, Save Our World, she's like, what, five, six, seven years old? She's going to be 77. No, sorry, she's going to be 57 in her Saturn return when uh, uh, 2070 comes, if she makes it there, if she doesn't drown or if she doesn't, or the earth doesn't shake under her and she's swallowed by something, you know. So that is maybe the biggest thing. The virus, they come and go. We had a lot of viruses here on this planet that that decimated one third of Europe, you know, the, the black uh, uh, plague. But what we're dealing with now is way worse than any corona because if these things are going to, if, when these things are actually going to happen and uh, the ramification of our actions on the planet is going to be manifested full force, the virus is going to look like a little, oh, you guys were arguing about taking vaccines or not or being in the hospital or not. I mean, it's nothing compared to what's going on right now. Our cities are flooded, migrations of millions of people from South, from Central America to North America, from Africa, maybe to Europe. I mean, 
it's a complete change of everything that we know about. So maybe that is the biggest thing that Saturn and Uranus are trying to tell us. And it's not surprising that it is in Aquarius. And Aquarius is the sign of humanity. It's the sign of democracy. It's the sign of equality. It's the sign of the future. It's the sign of technology. And it's the sign of the young people. That's what is the strongest thing now. And I keep hearing that, go slow, go slow. And I couldn't stop thinking about um, uh, this wonderful lady, uh, Nina Simone. And I want to go back to it in a second, uh, but, um, you know, she's basically telling us uh, uh, in one of her, uh, in the lyrics, I mean, the lyrics are amazing of this song, you all know it, uh, do things gradually, she says, do it slow, but bring more tragedy, do it slow. Why don't you see it? Why don't you see it? I don't know, I don't know. It's almost like a conversation between Uranus and Saturn, uh, the people who are inside the uh, COP26 and the people who are demonstrating outside of that building. Those inside of the building are telling us uh, they keep on saying, like she says, go slow. Um, but that's just the trouble the people are screaming outside. And she says, no, no. And then they say inside of the, the politician says, do it slow, do it slow. Uh, and she says, it's not time for it. I don't know. I don't know. So uh, they're saying, just try to do the very best, but that's not working. So I think that that's the beautiful thing about art. You know how uh, uh, Joseph Campbell considered artists to be the real shamans of the planet right now. It's not the priests. It's not the rabbis. It's not the mullahs. Uh, it is the artists. And you can see it again and again in places like Mississippi, Goddamn, by Nina Simone, that She's a prophet. She was talking about, she thought she was talking about the plight of the uh, African-Americans in the South, which she definitely did, but she didn't know that it's going to be replicating again and again like a pattern also in the future. And it's really interesting because she literally states here a lot of the uh, names of the states that are causing the biggest issue with uh, progression or moving forward with the uh, um, ecology. So this is the new study I told you from Nature. The study reported that oil, gas, and coal production must begin falling immediately to have even a 50% chance of keeping global temperature from rising more than 1.5 degrees Celsius. Now, remember, we talked about how, in, according to the Accords 2015, Paris, we have to make sure that it's not going more than 1.5 degrees. I'm not saying less, more than and what they're saying here in this study is that if we don't change it now, even the 50% chance of being okay and keeping that uh, goal is going to be vanishing. So we're now basically in 50-50% only if we start, start reducing it right now, which is actually not happening. So the study found that nearly 60% of global oil and gas reserves and about 90% of coal reserve must be left unexploited by 2050, meaning that we cannot dig for it, we cannot frack for it, we cannot suck it up, um, and we have to really, really be aware that this needs to start happening right now. Now, it's interesting because um, President Joe Biden campaigned and promised everybody that we'll end any kind of new drilling on public lands to help fight with the climate change, but his attempts uh, to uh, suspend any kind of new leases... Uh, were blocked by a judge, a federal judge in Louisiana. 
and the U.S. District Judge uh, ruling came in a lawsuit filed in March. Now, think about it. If it was filed in March, they probably start preparing it in February. February 17 of this year was when Saturn and Uranus were squaring. So it was filed eventually by Louisiana Republican Attorney General uh, Jeff Landry and the and officials of 12 other states. And I checked in the song of Nina Simone, all the states that she actually say or, or basically gives the name of is part of these 12 states. It's kind of fascinating. She wrote it, I think, in 60s. And here we are, um, what is it, 80 years after? It's all, uh, no, 60 years after. It's a Saturn, it's, it's a two Saturn returns, basically. 65, precisely. She sang that song, this version that I, we, I have from 65. 65 is the last time, two times before, sorry, that Saturn was in Aquarius. Saturn is now in Aquarius. It was in 1990, 91, 92, and it was in 64, 65. So right when she was singing that song, Saturn was in Aquarius. For her, Aquarius was about equality of the people. Come on, let us vote. Let us um, not be segregated. Let us use the same buses. That seems like arcade for us, but no, her lyrics stand still today when we are talking about instead of um, the segregation, how can we take away and get rid of our, instead of biases and prejudice, our attachment to oil and petroleum and coal, which is something we really have the technology to overcome. Um, where is, um, yeah. And then I thought about something kind of interesting, I think. Uh, I thought about the Tomb Raiders. You know how there's all these stories about Tomb Raiders that tomb, that raided tombs in Egypt and they were cursed by extraterrestrial or multidimensional or magical um, spells, right? You heard about, there's so many stories about those that kind of raided the tombs of the pharaohs and got sick and died in pretty horrific way. Well, I think it's something that makes sense. You bury something, you know, even if psychologically speaking, don't look back. You buried something in the past. Maybe it's a certain relationship that you overcame. Maybe it's a, a something with a relationship with your boss. Maybe it's some trauma that you were molested in the past. You, you kind of put it in peace. You buried it and you uh, grieved for it, you put an epitaph on it, and it's done. But if somebody comes and raids that tomb, it unleashes the negativity that was there, that was there, not necessarily to protect uh, the gold and the precious stone from Pharaoh. It's basically to protect that and put it in the past, the same way that we kind of put the Mona Lisa, for example, in museum, and she's protected by a lot of um, alarms, right? And if somebody tries to snatch it or take it away, these alarms are going to stand off, and hopefully the police is going to arrest the person, is going to be jailed for the rest of their life, whatever. Same thing, I think, happened energetically speaking. You cannot raid tombs. It is um, desecrating tombs, desecrating um, cemeteries. It's considered to be a grave, grave um, sin, energetically speaking, and, 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 you know, also according to the law. But we're doing the same thing to those that were here on the planet 300, 400 million years ago. Basically, we are all, all of us, including me, I'm using now lights to light my face and I'm using these electrical things. And of course, it gets the power from somewhere and it gets it from these little tiny creatures, sea plants and animals that died and were buried in the ocean floor. And over time, they were co co uh, covered by layers of silt and sand and until they became like these sediments and they were pressured by a lot of heat and a lot of uh, time. Again, it's interesting, Saturn, Saturn is time. Uh, so they were pressed, pressed by Saturn and the sand and silt and rock eventually became oil and gas 
gas deposits. And what do we do? We drill through them and we violate their, their, their resting ground and we pull them out and we force them to move our cars. Like, it's almost as if, you know, in a science fiction movie, it almost would be like as if we're harnessing um, demons and souls from the past and we're bringing them over and putting chains upon them and forcing them to do things that they don't want to do. They died. They died happily, hopefully, in the seas, you know, that were not polluted. Maybe they were eaten by some little fishy or something, whatever. They had their life. And now we're forcing them to be like zombies and they're all over the planet. And that's one of the reasons, action and reaction, karma, that we are now dying ourselves. We have cursed ourselves with these uh, tomb raiders and we pay them. Every time we go to the gas station, we are participating in this little game of raiding the tombs of those that were here before us. May they rest in peace. And instead of just looking up to the skies, why do we look down all the time eh, and then ask ourselves, oh, you look very down? Of course we look down because we look always to get our energy from the down instead of looking up and getting our energies from the sun that is available to everybody on the solar system and wind that is already there, maybe also waves. And maybe there is even another way of making energy by looking up instead of looking down. So I really recommend that you guys listen to this uh, song maybe, or, or just after we're done, maybe you can uh, play it on YouTube or something. Uh, because if you just think about what I said and think about her talking about a metaphor um, about what's happening to us right now with planet Earth, you'll see that her lyrics are just as powerful and it really is easy to change the lyrics from that idea that she talked about to what is happening right now. And you can say instead of Mississippi, goddamn, you can say Louisiana, goddamn it, or whatever is uh, out there now that is trying to block um, any kind of change just because they're afraid they're not going to make enough money. And... Um, with that, we're going to move to see what is going on. Um, let's see. Where are we now? Yeah, so... I thought, yeah. So let's look at this week, what we are having. No, this is the wrong one. Sorry. Need to bring up the right map. Um, I thought I did raise it up. Sorry. Hope you guys uh, can see the chart. Good. So... Today, November 7, we are having the... Yeah, Uranus is still opposite to the sun, but it's not that strong. It's actually good. You can see in the chart, it's it's kind of open in the sense that it doesn't have so many oppositions. You see a lot more blue lines. The blue lines are always helpful. The blue lines are flow of energy, what they call 120 degrees difference between planets, which actually gives us a great deal of flow, a great deal of harmony. They call it doors that open. And they open enough time for you to go in. It doesn't mean you're going, you know, sometimes you walk, um, you know, especially I remember I was doing it in Hong Kong a lot because it's so hot outside. I was walking slow. And if I, you walk slow next to these uh, doors, they kind of open. 
automatically and you get this wind coming into you from the air conditioning, but it's way too cold. They, they, they freeze their buildings. So it's nice to be outside and just to make all of the doors as you're walking open. Now that opening of the doors, Hong Kong style, what I do is a sextile. That's only 60 degrees. They're opening, they're kind of bringing in the, uh, the cold air, but you don't necessarily cross through them. But it's still a nice breeze of good air in, in a very humid, uh, hot place. The 120 is when you actually open the door and you have a chance to go in and uh, deal with whatever gifts are given to you by that op opening. And that's a trine. 120 degrees, 120, of course, it's a holy number. It's related to 12. The 12 is associated with the 12 signs, the apostles, the messengers, the bearer of good news. So it's definitely a bearer of good news. And the good news are coming to us, is coming to us this week from Minerva and from Neptune. Both of them are in Pisces. And both of them are very benevolent in a sense that Minerva is the goddess of wisdom, is Athena, of course, and she's channeling her wisdom through Pisces, which is mysticism, poetry. You might say poetic things and say, oh my God, I have to write this. It's so, it's so poetic. It is not yours. So you can't write it. It's Minerva's. She just channeled herself through you, so you can't really take uh, any kind of credit for it. But you can write it, you know, but write it under Minerva. Or if you have dreams that are very profound, or suddenly you have the urge to dance or express yourself much more with movement, that is very much related to that. And as well as Neptune. Neptune is the ruler of Pisces. It's in Pisces. It's retrograde, which means a lot of memories from past lives, actually. And it's something that can again connect you much more to intuition. The only thing happening this week, this year, this day, sorry, is that Neptune is squaring the moon. The moon, we talked about it, very much associated with our feelings. So you might feel a little bit more down, a little bit more depleted from energy today, but tomorrow it's going to be completely changing. It's just that when the moon and Neptune are squaring, it's not the easiest emotionally. But we have really good energy from Neptune to, um, the rest of uh, to the sun, which is always talking about psychic energy and intuition. As you can see, Venus is uh, moved into Capricorn. We talked about it. She's going to be in Capricorn now a long, long time. So you get used to it. Venus, like we said, doesn't like to be in Capricorn. She prefers to be in different signs, to be honest. Uh, it's not terrible. It's not fallen. It's not detriment. Um, it doesn't have a name besides the fact that mm, I don't feel like going on a hike in high heels, especially when it's so cold and snowy. That's Venus uh, in Capricorn, because Venus is all about beauty. Capricorn is the goat roads that you have high, high in the mountains, in the Himalayas or in the Greek islands, where only donkeys and goats can actually reach. Even horses can get there. So even Sagittarius can be there. Capricorn, you know, so that's a kind of interesting. I just thought about it right now. You know, in the old days, uh, horses can get to high places, right? That's Sagittarius. But the real high places... Only goats and donkeys that are associated with the sign after Sagittarius, which is Capricorn. That's probably was channeled to me right now by Minerva, and therefore I cannot take credit. But that's almost like when you go on mountains and you can see that up to a sta certain stage, there is pines. After that, there is only bushes. And at the end, there is only a cap of snows, you know. So that's the kind of thing also, I guess, with um, vehicles or animals movement in the Zodiac. But anyway, Venus in Capricorn is really good for long-term projects, uh, investments of long-term. Uh, it's very good for relationship with matured people. So if you have somebody that you really want to be with and they're older, hence the uh, mature woman that is awakening to love, uh, it's a little hint there. This is a great time actually for these kind of things. 
So it's going to be for a long, long time. The reason why is because from December 19 until about January 28, Venus is going to be retrograde in Capricorn. So that's why she's going to spend so much time in Capricorn. Uh, besides that, um, if we move forward the day uh, to November 8, in November 8, the moon moves into Capricorn. Uh, the moon doesn't like to be in Capricorn officially because she she's the ruler of Cancer. We said opposite sign. Imagine you're from United States and suddenly you find yourself in the other side of the world, opposite, and you really long to be at home. So obviously you're not in your best mood. So when the moon is in Capricorn, she longs to be back home in Cancer, but it's really, really far. It's the furthest away sign possible. But it's good for getting connected to family members that you haven't seen for a long time, especially because Venus is going to be on top of the moon. So forget the fact that Venus and the moon don't like to be in Capricorn. They're getting really good energy from uh, Uranus, which is in Taurus, which is, again, very, very positive. Um, that means anything to do with innovation, technology, but again, long-term, and not like something that you're doing really fast. It also talks about humor. Capricorn is very funny, usually. Even the tarot card for Capricorn in the Crawley deck or the Toth deck is uh, the devil. And you see the devil is kind of smiling. He's actually kind of funny. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Jim Carrey, for example, is a Capricorn. Eddie Kaufman was a Capricorn. So I think out of the misery of Capricorn comes a lot of humor. For example, the whole Jewish nation is considered to be associated with Capricorn. I don't have to tell you that they developed a very profound and intense humor because of the suffering that was uh, bestowed on Capricorn and them. So there is some humor tomorrow. You're going to be much more funny. You're going to connect to funnier things. And also it's um, good for anything to do artistically because Venus on top of the moon, again, Long-term artistic projects can be very good. Long-term financial things can be very good. And long-term relationship. Just now for the next few weeks, think long-term instead of short-term. And because there's so much activity in Capricorn and we are in Scorpio with Mercury, Mars, and Sun in Scorpio, a lot of really good things are happening on Monday because it's a sextile. Remember, that's the short window that opens or the short opening of the door. You can still use it if you kind of run really fast through it. Uh, and Minerva is stationary. She's stationary today. She's stationary tomorrow. She's been retrograding for a long time. The fact that she's going to go from Tuesday direct is also going to give us a lot of really good energy, especially if you feel you have a just war. What does just war means? A war that you absolutely know that there's not going to be any argument that it was important to do. You know, I come from Israel where every war there, not every war, I think, actually now with the conflict with Palestinians, it's almost like, it's very, very hard. There's like, you go back and you back, you go back and he says this, he says that. And these are very difficult conflicts to kind of deal with and resolve. I'm talking about a war that you're fighting because there is these three gang members who are now coming into your house and breaking in. And there's no doubt that you are in a just war. You're fighting for something just. That's what Minerva is going to do from tomorrow. From tomorrow, she's from, sorry, Tuesday, she's moving into that realm of just wars. And if you have any kind of fight that you need to fight, whether it's in your work, whether it's in your family context, whether it's with yourself, you know, this is what may be the idea behind the holy jihad, you know, the jihad, the fighting inward, the inner fighting that a lot of mystic Muslims talk about, that the real jihad is not against other people or the infidels, it's in the part of you that is not accepting you in a sense. So 
that idea of holy jihad is starting to happen on the third on Tuesday. Maybe I'm influenced a lot from uh, the Dune that I saw the movie. Uh, it's actually really good, even though some of the um, reviews were really bad. It's actually really good. And of course, I recommend reading the book before you go to see the movie. The book is unbelievable. It's one of the best books, I think, uh, in the last century. Anyway, you can see the north, the south, the north node is here. It's looking like a, a like I told you, it looks like um, Horseshoe, supposed to represent the head of the dragon. And you can see it's two degrees Gemini. It's coming to the end of Gemini and it's retrograde. So like I told you, look in your chart where you have two degrees, one degrees Gemini, 30 degrees, 29 degrees um, uh, Taurus. That's where you have the North Node right now. So tomorrow, sorry, yeah, Monday, the day of the moon, the moon is going to be in Taurus, actually getting good energy from Uranus. Then on November 9, which is a Tuesday, like I said, Nerva is going forward. It's a really good energy for us. And she's sending beautiful flow to Mars. So it's interesting that the god of all wars, even not the just wars, and the goddess of just wars are sending a good energy to each other. It means that you're going to be very clear in your head and in your life, what is a war that I need to fight and what is a war that I should stop fighting? You know, choose your battle wisely in a sense. The moon is going to be on top of Tor, in, on top of uh, Pluto, the Lord of Transformation. They're getting really good energies actually from the sun. So that's not too bad. Usually the moon on top of Pluto is manipulation, power struggles, women acting really crazy, um, transformations that are not clear, uh, family members acting because that all represents um, the moon, especially the moon in Capricorn represents women of power. So it could be your mother, it could be bosses, it could be people that have influence over you, but because it's getting really good energy from the sun, it's a good connection between the masculine and feminine, and it's the ability to transform things in your life to the direction that you want. Especially with Neptune uh, getting closer and closer to a trine with the sun, which is peaking this next week, this weekend coming up, is a really nice thing. So if you need to accomplish things, definitely, especially transformation, peeling off things, it's really good in November uh, 9 on Tuesday. Wednesday, um, that's really, really going to be positive. What's happening the day after is November 10. We're having the moon shift into Aquarius, which is kind of nice. The only issue is that she's going to step on top of Saturn. So when the moon is in Aquarius once a year for two days, uh, once a month for two and a half days, it's going to be on top of um, Saturn and on top of Jupiter. So always you're going to have uh, once a month uh, when the moon moves into Aquarius, like very good days and very intense days, because when it moves on Saturn, it's difficulty. And then it moves on top of Jupiter, which is much more positive energy, especially now. Now, the moon is squaring Mars and Mercury. So Wednesday and Thursday are not the easiest days, emotionally speaking. And also there could be a disconnect between your feelings and your uh, intellect or things that you want to achieve and things that are actually happening. So again, there is a square there between Mercury and Saturn. That square is going to be throughout this week. It could affect the way you think, almost like a Mercury retrograde, especially because Mercury is getting closer and closer to be opposite to Uranus, which means disruption and unpredictable energy. And because on that day, Wednesday, we have Mer Mars on top of Mercury. You might say things that you think are a compliment and people are going to see it as if you're attacking them. You might say uh, something, you know, kind of um, innocently and it will be perceived as if you're manipulating or something wrong, especially again, because the moon is on top of Saturn with family members and uh, people who you are emotionally connected to very much or women in general. So again, Wednesday is not the easiest uh, day. 
We have the same thing happening Thursday. You see that Mars and Mercury are walking together. They move from seven degrees Scorpio to eight degrees Scorpio, and both of them are opposite to Uranus. So again, mishap, accidents. Be extra careful with how you manage things. Um, also, because the moon and the sun are squaring on Thursday, it's making it a little bit more difficult. But Thursday, we have the moon on top of Jupiter. Actually, for real estate, for healing issues with family members, for fixing things in your home, it's not too bad. Just be a little bit more careful because of that tendency that we have with all these eclipses. Sorry, with all these squares with the moon. Then things are really shifting differently uh, right on November 12th because the moon is moving into Pisces. It's more flow, more relaxed energy, especially now when we have so many planets in Scorpio and Uranus in Taurus. So much more flow on Friday. Fly Friday seems like things are going a little bit better. Also, the, the square between Mars and Mercury and Saturn is being a little bit released. It's kind of fading, what is called. So there's going to be much energy, much better energy on Friday, especially with the moon in Pisces on top of Minerva, a lot of ideas, intuition, imagination, psychic energy. It's a great time to go back to yoga, movement, dance, and the the same thing is happening to us on Saturday. Very strong, positive energy in that sense. So I hope that um, it kind of makes sense for you, everything that we talked about, and um, that you are prepared for that Saturn-Uranus square, as well as the eclipse. Um, but overall, I think that um, we are now in a period where we can be prepared for the things yet to come. So I hope you have a great week. Thanks for joining. <laughs>